Some movies shouldn't exist. Let's pretend they do. I'm Peter Hunter. I'm Scott Hedges. I'm I'm Desmond Port. Still? <laughs> Maybe. Alright. Alright, well. Badass. I have some papers here that prove that wrong, Desmond. Oh no! Cue the cheaters intro. Du, du, du. Oh, uh yeah. Well the cheaters intro has got a lot of like people yelling and screaming at each other about infidelity. <laughs> It's not exactly like a song <laughs> so much as it's just like a montage of just like the people just their lives just crumbling in half. Dude, the, the, the host that looks like that that levy dude, Joey Greco. Yeah, is it him or is no? It, well, there's Joey Greco and, and then, then there's there also was, um, um, there, there's the interim Clark guy. Gable. Yeah, there was Clark, Clark Gable, Gable does it for a while. It's, it's Clark Gable. Clark Gable does the uh, he does the, like Gable. a hosting point. And, and a lot of the times he's hosting it, but it's still Joey Greco in the field. Wait. <laughs> Clark it Gable. really depends. I've seen a lot of the cheaters. The Clark, so. the Clark <laughs> Yes, Gable? it's really Clark Gable. Yes. I'm not kidding. <laughs> okay. I've, I've seen a lot of cheaters. I've seen... Okay, well. Um. You bug and, and the problem with, uh, with that is that they stopped... Playing it on the basic cable channel, so I can't DVR cheaters anymore. I'm sorry, Scott. So, Did you save it on your DVR? There's still some episodes okay. on there, but you know, it's like I'm not getting anything new. You know, well, I need that hot cheaters action. You well, know, that's the sad, despicable state of affairs. <laughs> Terrible people, almost universal. You know. But uh, speaking of nostalgia and looking back on things, mm. um, we've got today's film. What's today's film, Desmond? That would be Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. Who loves the 1980s? Lots of people, apparently. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, we were all... Um, it was a time. We were born in the 1980s. Yeah. So it's our favorite decade by like, default. technically. I mean, yeah. but... That, Tail end. But I mean, we were, though. But I mean, so. it still counts. It but does grew count. up with tons of 80s cinema and reruns. Right. And, you know, it, 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 it rubs off on you. Um, which, in, that's, a, that's a great coming-of-age-ish I guess, yeah. Coming of age movie. Yeah. I mean, what is Ferris Bueller's Day Off about? Well, it's very much the 1980s. And this all-around popular and swell guy, Ferris Bueller, played by Matthew Broderick, plays hooky from high school and enlists the help of his best friend Cameron Fry, Alan Ruck, and girlfriend Sloane Peterson, as played by Mia Sarah, to have an unforgettable day off in the city of Chicago. It's basically like teenage hijinks, like every possible scenario, and then like there's like the cultural like things. They go to like the Museum of Modern Art. They go to the top of the Sears Tower and look down on the city. They go to some like restaurant, and he's like Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. Right, you know, and, uh, all the classics. You know, all the things you would do as a as a, as a teenager. Yeah. there's not a lot of plot there. Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. No, there's like things that are like, you know, the principal's mad yeah. at the fact that he knows the Ferris Bueller's skipping. And it's then, character stuff. And then, uh, what's his name? The Ferris's friend? Cameron. 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 Right, right. Yeah, Ferris is like really mean to Cameron. I mean, he's oh, like Ferris totally is, manipulative and just like, I don't know. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I get that it's all in good humor for the movie, but I mean, it's like, in reality, poor, poor Cameron, you know, he's just yeah. like getting put through the ringer by this guy. Yeah, let's, uh, like, his dad's not going to beat him. And this guy, Ferris, right. is just like, yeah, he's just like an egomaniac, you know what I'm saying? He's like, uh, yeah, he's kind of Bill Murray. He's, he's like a douchier version of Bill Murray. I don't know. I wouldn't. <sighs> Chicago vests. Everything you're saying 
Scott is totally true and totally like an egomaniac, but there's the, the way he's portrayed in the movie, he like seems like a sweet guy. He doesn't come off really malicious, even though what he's doing is awful. Yeah, and he's, he's the lying. perfect American psycho. Is what Pretty much. I but 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 you you read like other casting options, they were floating around for Ferris, and it's like oh um, yeah, he would have seen. I think. Anthony Michael Hall. That wouldn't have been good. Like like that Michael J. Fox. Like who you would think would have played. Michael J. Him. Fox would work. No, but like thinking oh, Marty, man, Marty McFly versus Ferris Bueller. Like just like yeah. Marty McFly's a little like douchebag. I mean, but Ferris Bueller's kind of a douchebag too. Yeah, but not like I play in a rock band and I wear jeans. Yeah, no, Matthew I, Broderick definitely pulls it off. I, yeah, you know, I'm just like I'm just like intrigued by like the mystique of this like guy who's just like. There's no ostensible reason why he's, like, such a popular figure in his school. He's not, like, you know, football player or whatever. He's just, like, that guy's just cool, you know? Yeah. Like, he's right. got his leopard print vests and um, machinations that And it's, likes. like, you would really hope that, like, being, like, more of yourself would, like, actually make you popular in a high school situation. But, right. He's actually kind of, you know. Qu- he's quite the nerd. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And you would, like, any guy like that, I, I guess because he's handsome. He's just yeah. large, larger than life, you know what I mean? Yeah. He programmed yeah. a synthesizer full of, like, death sound effects. Oh, that was an actual, that was a piece of trivia I read, that that, that, <laughs> that synthesizer would have been more expensive than any car a teenager would have had in that, at, at that, that time. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he probably uh, boosted that too. Yeah, know? right. <laughs> it was you probably- know, no, no qualms about taking his dad's like <laughs> yeah, that was really expensive car Lamborghini, and then just dropping it off a at the mint sh- Lamborghini, the shadiest like guy who's like, yeah, I'll take your car. Oh you yeah, know, it'll be this- fine. It'll <laughs> be nice and good in my head. I might as well have just been like rubbing his hands yeah. together. You know, oh yeah, yeah. We're just like major moments in the movie because uh, um, it's. I'm assuming every listener has seen this movie before, but let's just provide some context. So, yeah, like, yeah. he's this is his tenth time calling in sick that semester, which is so much. Which is yeah. like not for me, my yeah. senior year. No, no, that yeah. wouldn't have happened. Um, and then he's like, "Okay, I got to make this one account because it's the tenth time, and I'll never be able to do it again." One, if you pulled off like attempt seven through nine, I think you'll probably be able to do it again. But. Um, that's neither here nor there. And, like, two is, like, why are you, like, going into these incredibly conspicuous areas, like, when you're, like, a highly sought-after, like, really popular, easily recognizable, your dad works in the city, like, you have this vindictive, horrible principal who's, like, putting his job and, like, well-being on the line to try and stop you. And, like, I know some teachers. There's no principal that's dedicated to getting one one kid back in school. That no, day. Right. call your yeah. parents. Yeah, well, he does. But. He does, and then he doesn't believe it. It's uh, you know, it's uh, I mean, it's cartoonish, but I oh, do appreciate the is. cartoonish sort of uh, vibe going on throughout the movie. And you know, the uh, there's some great moments with the principal and his like secretary. I think yeah, she, yeah. she does a fabulous job yeah, there. Yeah, I don't do. know. There's just like good bits. What's you her know? name? Do you know the actress? Uh, I don't know the actress. She's funny name. and whatever, and she's always that character, but she's awesome at it. Yeah, that. Yeah. The, that actor has good performances. Unfortunately, he's a uh, convicted. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, um, Jeffrey Jones. He's, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a creep. He's a creep. Yeah. Totally. But um, Rooney's great, and that's definitely my favorite like villain trope. Yeah, incompetent villain for someone who doesn't even know they have a villain. Yeah, who just kind of tails and lurks around. Mm-hmm. Very, very Saturday morning cartoon. Oh, very hand waving so. like I'll get you, Ferris Bueller. I love it. I mean, he's so funny. He's super creepy in the movie. You know, he is. Like, that he is. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, for sure. With the with the 
you know, with the daughter there. Like, oh, yeah, she's got every right to press charges on yeah. this guy. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. So more to the relationship with Cameron and Ferris, you can see why there's lots of theories floated online about uh, the uh, allusions to the same sort of Tyler Durden-esque fight club yeah. uh, scenario happening where uh, Ferris becomes the Tyler Burden. Tyler Burden. I mean, he's a Tyler Burden. He's a Tyler Burden. Because yeah. Ferris' just, character is just so larger than life and like successful at every single thing without yeah. like really trying and just inherently talented in all the ways that Cameron is not. There's a lot of reasons why the theory doesn't make any sense like oh, yeah, in definitely. the actual movie the, the, context. Unless, went, unless it's really all just in his head, in which case it's like, that's Deus Ex Machina and that's, you know, yeah. no, that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, I mean, it does. It's a common device, but yes. Well, yeah. I had never heard that theory really? before wow. like doing research for this. I'd never heard it. Oh. I'm, I'm surprised, actually. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought that was really intriguing. It, that would probably work if they didn't focus on Ferris at home and his family. Is right, right. There's a lot of shows up. No, yeah. there's elements of it that just don't make any sense. There would be yeah. no reason to include them if it was but, that. Honestly, that would make it a better movie. Well, I was kind of like, uh, I was looking oh, yeah, at it, I, yeah. I was kind of looking at it as we were watching it, like, through that lens, and, and it, it, you know, made certain parts a little bit yeah. more intriguing. Yep. The sister? Uh, yeah, Ferris. Uh, it's, oh, it's the girl from, gosh. it's the girl from, um... Uh, Jean Grey. No, you're you're right, it's Jennifer Grey. Jennifer Grey. Yeah, she's the, she's baby from Dirty Dancing. She's great. Um, yeah, she, she's um, a good 80s, actress. Super 80s actress. Yeah. Um, I love her as the sister, though. She's so, like, mean. Oh, yeah, and, no, like, like just very hateful. good on that trope. Yeah, absolutely. It just, like, feels like an old... Well, oh, actually, yes, almost forgot. Something I wanted to point out. It's very unclear, like, who's the older sibling there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's, really it's one of those things out. you think on. It's like, she acts like an older sibling, but he's a high school senior. They're both they're both seniors, basically. Right. So mm. it's like, your mom got pregnant, like, immediately after having that one kid, and they just ended up in the same grade. One's kind of young for the... I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, I think Occam's Razor here. They're just twins. They could be just twins. They could be. They could be fraternal. Apparently yeah, there yeah. was other Ferris, or I'm sorry, other Bueller children who were cut from the film. For the best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for the best. Um, other super memorable moments. I think probably one of the most memorable is um, the whole scene where he calls in and says that his girlfriend's grandmother has passed away. Like the whole excuse. The whole thing that goes off in the, like, the uh, Rooney just right off the bat is like, oh, it's clearly Ferris Bueller. It's like, it's like, oh, produce a corpse and then I'll let her go. Right, listen, <laughs> which is like shit. Which is like quite, a, which is quite <laughs> such a like, I don't care how confident you are, like you're getting fired yeah. if you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're getting fired yeah. and you're not getting another job in education. No, um, he's, he's, he's unqualified to no. begin with. I mean, yeah. he's, he's like that ready to just go off the handle, you know. Yeah. Call me so. Yeah. Oh, oh God, that yeah. voice. Like, funny what human movie. has that voice? <laughs> He's apologies to any human with that voice. I feel like I take offense to that. He's doing he's doing something. There are like dozens of us. <laughs> Is that like the is it the guy from Green Acres? I don't know. Green Isn't Acres it? and Ham. Green Acres and Ham. 
Um, there's actually a really funny scene in um, this show, The Goldbergs, which is set in the 1980s, where like someone tries to do this whole scene, and his girlfriend comes out and is like super pissed off. He's like, I called my aunt and like a bunch of my family members and told them that my grandma was dead. Yeah. I have to go, like, I'm not going out with you today. I'm going to go repair my life you just ruined. Devastating. <laughs> Why did- no, we're going to go we're going to go hang out and have a good time. Which- I just told him that your grandma was dead to get you out of school. It's like, <laughs> Is that like it was like a code okay. they had established beforehand, which is probably what happened with like Sloan and like, you know, Ferris. Like if I say your grandma, you get a call, your grandma's dead and you're not talking to your dad right away. It's, then it's it fake. actually happens. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. Even yeah, like 20 sure. years later, she's like, sure, Ferris. Did John Hughes direct or just write this one? Uh, both for this one. Both you know, for this John one, yeah. Hughes, you know, the king of 80s comedies, you know, National Lampoon's Vacation, The Breakfast Club. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Weird Science, Home Alone. Like he was, Ooh, I didn't yeah. know he did Planes, Trains. Yeah. For the most part, I don't like a lot of his stuff. I mean, there's some... I don't really like... Yeah, I, I agree. But, like, National Lampoon's Vacation is super funny. Oh, it's awesome. The Breakfast Club is super memorable. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Um, and Uncle Buck are both, like, funny movies. Weird Science. No, I don't, I don't I, really like Weird Science. I don't like any of that... Yeah. Uh, I'm like, sorry, that's... White Boy Fantasy. My favorite yeah. one is Mant. It's about the giant ant. That's a real called Mant. Is that a thing? It's in um, uh, um, uh, matinee. Well, in with John. Yeah, Kenny, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I don't like matinee. I like the movie within the movie called Mant. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's about a big ant <laughs> and uh, crushes and sh- burns sh- down with fire breath. I think I don't know. I'm just that's part. That's how I like to remember it. I don't know. I haven't seen it in a long time. Alright, so, um, Scott, would you recommend Mant or this film? I would recommend Mant and or Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, because if you, uh, if you turn the lights off and you put your lava lamp on and, uh, and, 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 and you put, you sync them up together, they actually sync together and it's like, it's crazy because it's like, did they make Ferris Bueller and Mant like, like, you know, to put them together like that in a studio because I swear it syncs up and it's crazy. Yes. <laughs> All right, uh, Desmond, would you recommend this movie and not Mant? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the f- do you have to say about Mant? <laughs> I mean, it's just not what we're talking about, Scott. Don't need to get so. The f- f- is this? Oh man, yeah, he's, he's getting up. Oh God, he's. Oh, he's threatening to walk out. No, it's, no, uh, no, because no, because listen, Peter, listen, Peter, if you're gonna. Step all over man. I mean, I could just cut your bike at any point. See, this, this guy's abuse of power. Abuse of power. And I cut his mic. Of course, I'd recommend Ferris Bueller. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great Watch movie. It. You've probably seen it. Yeah, uh, Scott. I don't know. It's Scott. funny. You'll laugh. Yeah, it holds up remarkably. <laughs> <laughs> it, it holds up pretty well. It does. It's a charming little movie. It kind of yeah. loses steam near the end, but I don't know. Whatever. I'm back on the air. Yes. uh, Oh, thank you for allowing me my freedom of speech, which is protected under the Constitution. Yeah, I'm really protecting this bit you're doing right now. That's right. I have every right to to scream it right at you. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. (laughs) No, you're cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I would recommend this movie. Um, It holds up pretty well. It's um. I think in about 10 years, it's going to be not very watchable. Like, I think we're going to be the last generation that's like, yeah, the 80s. It's going like, to be, um, What is that? Is it, what is that keyboard? What What is any yeah. of that stuff? It's, what is this car that you drive? 
us growing up. Why don't up, they just we, have cell phones? I don't understand. Why yeah. can't they just look this stuff up immediately and see the caller ID? Yeah, us yeah. growing up, there's still inklings of that stuff left behind, and it's like a bit more recognizable. But it's yeah. like, I, I'm not going to go watch Animal House. Yeah, like hell no. I wouldn't put it on. I would just I've uh, never like that. You know, movie. do laundry while it's on Comedy Central and not watch the whole thing. Yeah, you yeah. know, or Porky's. <laughs> that was that was yeah. For, that was for Porky's. <laughs> All right. Well, on the note of Porky's, um, mm. something else that starts with a P. It's a uh, it's a prequel. So. We got prequel duty for Ferris Bueller's Day Off this week. It belongs to our... Me. Scott Hanshaw. Yeah. Yeah. All right, get in the ring. Ding, 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 round one. All right, guys. Yeah, let's roll a clip of the scene in Space Jam where they're talking about Michael's secret stuff. Sonya Blade. Finished? Uh, Great speech and all, Doc. Uh, You had him riveted. But uh, didn't you forget something? What? Your secret stuff. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Nice deltoid. Play along. Yeah, that was relevant to this particular podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. All right, so on to my prequel. <clears throat> Title. Worm Farm, a Ferris Bueller story. <laughs> what? Oh, okay, okay, just go. <laughs> what? Tagline, not much is known about the early life of Ferris Bueller until now. <laughs> Director. Wait, 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 sorry. I left that part playing. Let's figure out who direct this after you're yeah, done. Yeah, that's true. Let's see. Yeah, that's going to be a puzzler. That's going to okay. be a puzzler. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, it's okay. You can laugh. There's, I'm sorry. Uh, there'll probably be a bit of that. 1969. Woodstock. Manson. Fake moon landings. And Bueller. 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 During one of the most allegedly tumultuous times in history, born to the world as one Ferris Bueller, a socially revered anarchist who draws the odd respect of every age of child or teenager (laughs) simply because he has the gall and talent to successfully middle finger the establishment. But where did it all begin? Who is Ferris Bueller? 1969. Plopped by the very respectable parents into a hospital gurney is a developed fetus by the name of... Well, he never got the chance to be named properly. Instead, his infant body was stolen by a crack whore by the name of Tanya. As portrayed by Dale Dickey, best known for her portrayal of the meth addict skank in Breaking Bad. This is my baby! I know this is my baby! Successfully fending off panicked nurses with broken glass, Tanya escapes with her baby. Passing a nearby carnival and observing a Ferris wheel, Tanya decides to call the baby Ferris! 1974. Ferris is now five years old. For the last four plus years of his life, minus crackhead migration time, Ferris has been learning the ropes of farm life on a worm farm. Overseen by longtime worm farmer Tony McGregs. 
as played by Meatwad from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's a big old room. That's good, bro. That's good. You get all them rooms for Tony. You're going to be a good room farmer. But, Daddy, I want to go to school. Ferris, don't ever let me hear you. Ferris, don't ever let me hear that from you again. School is a boring place filled with lies to distort your mind. I am your father, Ferris. Listen to me. School is for losers. Whatever you have to do to avoid going to school, I'm talking about lying, stealing, hell, even if you have to convince your girlfriend her family died in a fire. Oh, no. Shit, it'd be sitting in that dumbass little school singing, <laughs> I father chiseled thee, and green flags of liberty, learning all manner of state-sponsored lies. Trust me, boy, you're better off without it. Now, how's that worm farming coming along? Come on, boy, the harvest is in a couple weeks. Don't be skipping out on your boy, Tony McGraves. Just then, a busty-ass vehicle pulls into the driveway, out saunters Tanya in that herky-jerky way that meth addicts walk. You know. Oh, good morning, Tanya. How was the deal? Tony, baby, they wouldn't give me the money. These assholes wouldn't give me what I need, the worm money. They said I, I just said I couldn't have it, and I don't know. I need more to pay the bills. Tanya needs a little bit of cash. Now, hold on for a second, Tanya. I gave you 50 pound of worms. I should be seeing 50 pound of worm money. What are you trying to pull here? <laughs> Baby, I told you, they refused. There's nothing I could do. Tanya, Tanya. We may share the same letters in our first name, but that don't mean Tony McGregs was born a fool. Oh, my gosh. Tony pulls out a box cutter and holds it to Ferris's neck. Ah! You see this here? This is a problem, Tanya. This is a problem with a very simple answer. Oh, please, no! Not my baby! Please, not my baby! Now, you either come back here with my war money or you come back without a child. <laughs> please, not Ferris! I'll do anything! I can't. Oh, my God. All right, well, then you better get back here out there and get that Tony McGregor's Worm money. Oh my god. <laughs> man. Tired ass. <laughs> okay, Tony, I'll do it. I'll do it. Just show her my fairies. Oh my gosh. And with that, Tanya is off. Bitch, better have my money, says Tony, wiping sweat from his brow and fanning himself with his trucker hat. Oh my god. Daddy? Asks Ferris. Daddy, why did you threaten mommy? Oh, Ferris, don't pay no mind to that. When you need something done, it's okay to threaten people's lives. It's called leverage. Don't worry about how other people feel because ultimately it doesn't matter. It's not how you feel. It ain't how you feeling. So don't even worry about it. Manipulation is okay. It's okay. Because the government does it all the time. Oh my god. 1977. The second grade. A young Ferris, despite his parents' best intentions, has entered the school system. <laughs> During his second grade experience, he connects with a bright young outcast named Garth Volbeck. On a school field trip to the city museum, Garth sees a homeless man, most likely a veteran, crying and begging for money. Oh. Transfixed by this apparently traumatized man, Garth offers him some of his lunch, a shitty cold Pop-Tart. Their teacher, Mrs. Whistlethorpe, freaks out at the exchange and stops the exchange and makes a point to publicly chastise Garth 
and make an example of him is why you should never talk to strangers. Ferris tries to offer a counter-narrative, but for the first time in his life, he is faced with the wall of bullshit someone in authority will put up to defend themselves from any accountability. And in this moment, Ferris <laughs> thinks, maybe Meatwad was right. Shouldn't say Tony McCraggs, but you know. Whatever. <laughs> it, 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 I just had my... <laughs> The only way I see this is just animated, like an episode of Aqua I mean, yeah. very flat. Like. Yes, yes. <laughs> At a certain point, that's the only way you can view it. Right. 1980. Ferris is removed from the custody of his illegal parents. Tanya was jailed after a string of shitty burglaries. Further inquiry unearthed a vast network of underground money laundering schemes that solely implicated Tony McGregs. <laughs> <laughs> An honest caseworker did blood testing only to find out that Ferris has a biological twin sister in the Bueller family who ended up feeling really, really bad for kind of forgetting their stolen son. A great resentment from the previous only daughter began to form. Ferris quickly adapts to the advancements of upper middle class life, learning everything about audio and video technologies with ease. Soon, Ferris is transferred into a fifth-grade class of normies, where he befriends shy and outcast Cameron Fry, Fair played by Brad Pitt as a child. All right. Works Why for not? me. You know, either, either just make, oh. make up him, Benjamin Button, I wouldn't see it. Yeah. Works for me. <laughs> wouldn't see it any other way. Do CGI goo to make gotta him. Keep, gotta keep those SAG credits, you know, keep the SAG insurance. Of course. Yeah. 1981, eighth grade. Hey, Cameron, says Ferris. I bet I could convince a girl to kiss me. Why would you need to convince them, says Cameron. If they like you, they should just want to kiss you automatically. Cameron, thinking like that will make you stupid and useless, says Ferris. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You have to take whatever you want in life and manipulate everyone in the process. Oh, my God. Cameron was unsure about this psychotic, wanton disregard for the sanctity of individuality but was also disillusioned and unsatisfied by the milquetoast distance parenting from his business-oriented parents. He became intrigued by the act of rebellion, for better or for worse. 1983, sophomore year. As Ferris is driving Cameron home from a party, he accidentally destroys a very nice bonsai garden by driving right into it. Cameron is worried. And with an overwhelming guilt, he decides to leave a note on the garden's focus point, explaining how he's sorry for damaging a priceless work of life. Without flinching and with a small chuckle, Ferris takes a sledgehammer and hobbles Cameron, oh. breaking both feet at the ankle. Oh my god! <laughs> what? Uh, I'll explain afterwards <laughs> where this is all going. I mean... Okay. I'll let, I'll let, uh, let, you've taken me. You ferried me down the river. So I'm let you and take now me we're hitting the rapids. Oh. We're hitting the rapids. So just so you know, it's, uh, it doesn't get easier from here. <laughs> I think. Uh, 1984, junior year. Ferris decides to reconnect with his childhood pal Garth Volbeck. <laughs> Why Volbeck? Is that, that's the name of the guy who was played by Charlie Sheen. He was supposed to have this big connection with in the movie, but they ended up writing that part of the movie out. So like, there's oh. a scene that happens with them later, and it's like, oh, he's supposed to have like some thing with them. But like, no, it's just that that never materialized. So oh. it's just yeah, yeah, this it's weird like, scene in the movie because you had to have Charlie Sheen, big ticket, you know. The mom is like showing the Volbeck family like 
the, the house that the mom's showing is to that dude's parents or something. Oh. They're supposed to play. Yeah, you're, that's totally a thing. But, oh. you know, anyway, I yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would no. make up a name like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, exquisitely 80s. <laughs> I mean, it was funny. It's a funny name. It was, it was supposed to be like Ferris's like, long child or childhood friend or some bullshit. Yeah. But that, yeah, the more that, you know. They would rather have had him, you know, uh, just direct addressing a camera instead. And then it just, it, it turns into a better movie that way. <clears throat> Since their departure, Garth has gotten into shooting meth and all other variants of ill shit. Oh my god. He invites Ferris out to some pretty weird party in the boonies where a bunch of newbies high on occult potentials end up staging a really awkward masturbation party, which Ferris attempts to leave. <laughs> Ferris, says Garth, <laughs> sauntering towards Ferris. You know this is what you always wanted. <laughs> what the hell? What the hell? Fight, fight, fight through. Power through. This is great. Yeah. I'm. I did not. Okay, just keep going. I'll share my yeah, yeah, final yeah. thoughts. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Okay. Stop struggling to get through it. No, I, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> you wrote this. You haven't read this since you wrote it. No, no, you? not at all. <laughs> okay, not at all. Okay, now's a better time to do this. I was like wasted when I wrote this, so I haven't looked at it at all. And it's like a, it gets progressively like, okay, I don't. This, none of this is registering at all. You're, do, you're doing great, but it's, oh, it's great. Okay. Uh, it's it all surprisingly makes, legible. It all makes sense, Scott. Yeah, this is the what I didn't want to reveal before, but I'm revealing now. <laughs> well, preemptively before we get to the end here. Uh, Ferris is annoyed. No, I just thought you guys were different. But now I see you're all the same. Everyone is full of bullshit and acting in their own best interest. And I love it. Behind the fence of chaos and fast-paced occult music, Ferris strangles Garth almost ah. to death, but then stops, holds a decent eye contact, and leaves. Cameron meets up with Ferris shortly afterwards. Wow, Ferris, I can't believe the mess you've gotten me into this time. Ferris just laughs. The mess I got you into? <laughs> what about the mess of life? You don't know anything about reality, Cameron. I know that you've got to get your act together if you're even dreaming of getting into a good college. Ferris? Ferris? Ferris's mother calls from the other room. Catherine Keener. That's what I wrote. Catherine... <laughs> Catherine Catherine Keener, Ferris's mom, enters the doorway. I gotta go with what's written, you know. Now what am I gonna have to do to stop all these outbursts? Cameron looks concerned at his mother. Ferris makes no adjustment to his posture at all. From the mists of time, the ghost of Tony McGregs appears before them. You boys need to get good with reality. Realize that none of y'all's shit is for real. I've been working my ass off trying to make this worm farm work, and y'all's been nothing but trouble. Tony McGregs pulls a mean sidearm from his waist. Y'all about to get got. Suddenly, Ferris Bueller coughs violently with the blood and all. <laughs> I'm sick, Ferris says. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm not, smirks Cameron. Ferris goes into convulsions, and once the confusion of editing settles, it becomes clear that he has massive tumors and is entering high school math testing and cancer. <laughs> we think that Ferris has invented Cameron simply as a coping device to deal with his sickness, say the nurses when they think that Cam uh, Ferris is asleep. 
And then, to much surprise, the nurse says, There's no evidence that Cameron Fry existed at all. Smash cuts it down with the sickness. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Oh god, he's down with the sickness. He literally yeah. is. Yeah, he yeah, exactly. He's oh my the, god. He's in the bed <laughs> having fever dreams or something, I don't know. <laughs> um well I'm happy you revealed that you wrote that while you were wasted before the ending. <laughs> yeah. It put a lot it of felt like the right time. Um in terms of who I think would direct that, um the guys who made Crank, maybe? Mm. I was um, thinking Lloyd Kaufman, like some Lloyd, trauma ooh, people. Oh, yeah. Um, John Waters, maybe? It's, it's, it's trauma-esque. Yeah, John, know, John, it's John Waters. Yeah, John Waters could do that. John um, Waters, like, we'd have to be in it, though. You just have to have that's him fine. play Ferris. That's, yeah, have him a, play Ferris. A, oh, not. my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, um, what, what, give, me, give us your stats. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, of course, budget was $4 million. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score, the critic score was 46%. The audience score was 99%. Uh, everyone loved it because, you know, how do you not love that? It's, it's got meat wad in it. It's refreshing to see something new. <laughs> you ain't going to get meat wad anymore. They're done. You know what I mean? You, you got to make a cameo. Oh, man. The extended meat wad. <laughs> like, oh, like the most dialogue in the whole thing was just meat wad. Because <laughs> it's so damn good. The fact that the child just accepts that meat Meatwad is like he, he's identifies with them. You know, it makes a lot of sense. Your meatwad's really good. That definitely helps. You know, that uh, wouldn't have done it otherwise. <laughs> Expected gross profit eight million. Actual gross profit thirty four trillion dollars. Okay, you definitely wrote this when you were drunk. <laughs> That's the last part I wrote. 34 trillion dollars? It's such, it becomes... I don't the, know if the world the, economy uh, has that much money, It just it speaks to, you know, the the true, you know, the individual. It, 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 it touches on so many filmic levels. The, the, the text that, that if you look, if you look when you watch the movies, when you, when you watch in the movies, there's so much that goes into it and, and there's just so much artistry and, and, and satisfaction. It's about family. Okay, you know? Scott. Well, according to the internet, um, the GWP, which is the gross world profit in 2014, was $107 trillion. And that's just gross profit. So you're saying in some year, I'm assuming is like the 90s... Or if it's a prequel, I guess the everyone 80s. on the planet saw. No, it everyone. came out. It came out like this. Year. <laughs> everyone okay, on the planet so, saw this movie like yeah. five times, like in theaters. It was like government mandated. So how, how are you not going to make another one of these? I mean, you know, like <laughs> that kind of return on investment. It's like one of those ones that like comes back into theaters over the summer. Like, oh like, yeah, like it's like, yeah. Return to theaters for a week only. Don't miss. And this. fingers crossed, more Aqua Teens. Yeah, <laughs> That's a, yeah, they, they wouldn't do that though. There's anymore. an album there. Some things need to die. I'm gone now. <laughs> Speaking to me from beyond the grave. Uh, so yeah, that's well, my prequel. Yeah, well, I thought you did well, a great job. Yeah, well done, Scott. Thank um, you. And, thank and, you. And, uh, I, w- I went on a ride. I went on a journey. We all went. We all went on a ride. I met a destination. I was appalled through most of it. Yeah. Um, Never stop at the destination. <laughs> you addressing Keep like riding through, <laughs> but you do address his manipulation and like oh, yeah. smarmy attitude. And that, that, was, that was that was the spotter I had going into it. That right. shows through and yeah. keeps it kind of on top. A little cohesive. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's and great. And the dates are all accurate, by the way, because I, uh, yeah. I figured out when the movie was, and then I traced back <laughs> to how old he was and what grades he would be in yeah. throughout there. So. Yeah, you hacked you hacked the system. I did. And you I, found well, the root code, and then you. 
planted the um, packet f- snifter into the IP address. And then and I then, did basically like a random integer on a for loop and just kept like repeating it throughout. But you then you right? forgot one semicolon and then it crashed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you go back through and you, yeah, and you find the one yeah, semicolon. You find the one semicolon. Yeah. A bunch of students send a stripper to Ferris's house while he's sick. They do. A stripper with like friends. It's like a stripper with a group of people. It's not just a stripper. Right. Yeah. Why do I weird. forget that part? Right. That's weird. Yeah, I'm the nurse that likes to fuck or whatever. Yeah, or she cuts like, off. Before, but like, it's yeah. like, what is, what is mom was there. Yeah, it was. I mean, a sister not better than mom really in that scenario. They're both pretty bad to open the door to that. Well, after all of that has been said and done, experienced, I'd say, experienced. Uh, we're ready to move on. You know, because. You have to move on from prequels. You just have to. Yeah. Directly into a sequel. Yes. Which uh, this time around is penned by our very own Peter. Yeah, that's me. Um, get ready for this, guys. I'm um, ready. I went some places. I did bring a seat belt. Um, I kind of took it out of my car, and so I'm not. Do you have a way that I can plug this in here? Let's talk about in your studio? your chair. Um, yeah. I mean, actually, you know, they're always, actually, they're always like, buckle up, buckle in, get ready, to, get ready to launch. And I mean, I've got that's exclusive to cars. I could just as easily get in a car accident in this studio in my chair. I'm just saying. So I want to be safe. I mean, I you'll be safe, but not from like being moved, mm. like emotionally and also physically. Like someone will come in and move you. All right, all right. So um, this is the sequel to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, Strap in, folks. Um, except Scott, who doesn't have a seatbelt. Oh, um, not yeah. without, not for lack of trying. <laughs> not for lack of trying. All right. <clears throat> Title: Cameron: colon, Fry away home. <laughs> Tagline: When you twist and shout into the abyss, the abyss twists and shouts into you. <laughs> I like it. Director: Michel Gondry. Uh, we're gonna get some being John Malkovich vibes. And you'll see. <clears throat> Hold on, let me take a deep sip right here. It wasn't an audible deep, sip. As a deep blue sip. Deep blue sip. <laughs> it's like my syrup yeah. movie is called Deep Blue Sip. <laughs> yeah. <What>? Focus. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> All right. All of a sudden, Robot Carter Blake. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On that deep blue palate cleanser. Chicago, 1997. Lakeshore Hospital. Cameron Fry, Alan Ruck, reprising his role from the original, is seated in a wheelchair. A model of the Sears Tower is clutched in his hands. Dr. Mathers, Jordan Peele, seated across from him, holds up yet another ink blot. Cameron shakes his head. The doctor sighs and pulls up another one. He shakes his head again. You're still seeing him, aren't you? Cameron clutches the Sears Tower model closer to him. He hums twist and shout under his breath. Mr. Fry, we've been over this dozens of times. There is no Ferris Bueller. Back in his room, Cameron splashes some water on his face. As he looks up at the mirror, Ferris Bueller, now played by that one asshole from Stranger Things, you know the guy I'm talking about. The cop? No, not that one. What other guy? Steve. Oh, cool guy. Oh, he's Ferris? Yeah, he's Ferris. Do you know how close he was to being my Ferris? (laughs) 
Very? Very, yeah. <laughs> okay, like, well, that's not that surprising. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. If you don't know, now yeah, you, you know. know. And knowing is part of the battle. All right. Half the battle. I mean, I disagree with it being half the battle. It's a part of the battle. It's a part of the battle. It's a part half of the battle. Half is also a part. Yeah, What's but the other half? It's killing 50%. those motherfucking I mean, being commie <laughs> <laughs> do it, kids. Do it. Do it. Um, as he looks for up the, the planet. <laughs> Sorry, Peter. As he looks up at the mirror, Ferris Bueller appears in the reflection. He hasn't aged a day, but his choice in leopard print cashmere vests, however, has aged very poorly. <laughs> Cam, where you been? I've been calling you for twenty minutes. Cameron searches for the pad to call the nurse, but can't seem to find it. Cam. He struggles, but can't track it down. Okay, Cam, you can either answer me, or you can find yourself a new best friend. Cameron punches the wall in front of him and screams empathetically. You're not here! Well, Cam, you know what I always say, life comes at you pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you might miss it. Cameron grabs a nearby bedpan and chucks it at Ferris, who catches it, and immediately starts to play air guitar with it. All right, Cam, I'm going to leave for now, but I'll need you for that big thing I told you about. Can't afford to miss any more school, so I gotta make this one count. Ferris drops the bedpan and exits out the door. Cameron tries the lock, but he can't open it. The next day, Cameron confronts Dr. Mathers about his encounter. Mr. Fry, do you remember how many times you've asked me this? Cameron furrows his brow and shakes his head. Mather sighs and pulls a small audio recorder and an already poured snifter of brandy out of a nearby desk drawer. He hits play. Case 57. No, Doc, you don't understand. Mr. Fra, you had less than six hours. I know, but you sat through an entire Cubs game. It, w- it was a pitcher's duel sat down for lunch at a five-star restaurant. The, ser- the service was fantastic. Went to the top of the Sears Tower. Public transit was in. Saw the entire Museum of Art all in parade traffic. We know. We know how to get around the city. You swear... You took a cab. Ferris is my... Ferris is not real. He's my best friend. Someone on the tape starts crying. (laughs) Mathers hits stop. That was six months ago. I stopped recording the instance after then. The doctor took a long sip of brandy. The sooner you purge any inklings of Mr. Bueller from your system, the sooner you'll be out of here. Cameron ducks out to the courtyard to smoke a cigarette and collect his thoughts. Was he really imagining all of this? Hey, Cam! Ferris pops up from behind a topiary with a Dr. Seuss hat and a giant cotton candy. Cameron rubs his temples furiously. What's up here, bud? Ferris asked with pink candy streaming out of his mouth. Cameron takes a long drag on his smoke. Ferris, how did we make it around the whole city? <laughs> I just know it better than anyone. There, there was parade traffic. Public transportation in Chi-Town can't be beat. Go Cubs! We, we took cabs. Cameron stabbed his cigarette onto the bench. Now tell me the goddamn truth or get the hell out of my face. Ferris tosses off his hat and throws away his cotton candy. He has a new, sullen demeanor. Okay, Cam. I'll tell you the truth. Ferris tells Cameron that his real name is Prout, and that he's not really human. 
He's actually an extraterrestrial from a planet 1,000 light years away in the Lyra constellation called K-Pax. Oh, He's no. able to move across space oh. and time effortlessly using space, what, he, huh? what he calls light travel. And that is how they were able to see the entirety of Chicago in less than six hours one day in high school. Why do you think I always say life comes at you fast? Oh. <laughs> okay. He goes on to say... <laughs> Your uh, produce alone is worth the trip. <laughs> <laughs> I hate K-Pax. It's a terrible oh, movie. That's um, like the one line. <laughs> Damn you for like taking it, because I can't quote anything else. Eating that banana yeah. with the peel on. Just the, 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 the poster for it where he's just looking up. Oh, the, like, it's just, it just Kevin Spacey with sunglasses yeah, like, on. Jeff Bridges is all mad. The laziest <laughs> alien movie I've ever seen. Okay, okay. Not oh, okay. a spurt. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, lo- I'm going to lose the thought. If you don't all right, all right. Okay. Mm. Why do you think I always say life comes at you fast? He goes on to say that his time on Earth is running out. He's going back to K-Pax tomorrow morning, and he wants to take Cameron with him. Cameron shakes it off and calls for a nurse, but by the time he turns around, Ferris has disappeared. Inside the hospital, Cameron paces around nervously near a payphone in the break room. After pausing a beat, he picks up the receiver and hastily dials a number. A soft voice is on the other end. Hello? Cameron can't quite stomach the words. Hello? Sloan, it's... it's Cam. It's Sloan Peterson, reprised by Mia Sarah. Sloan exhales deeply. Cameron, there is no Ferris Bueller. The Buellers have a daughter. One daughter. She got busted selling cocaine to Charlie Sheen like six years ago. But Sloan, I remember. Cameron, I've shown you the video. You walked into your dad's garage in a fugue state and backed the Lambo out the window. You were in the hospital for months. I cried every night. Cameron started to remember. He rubbed the base of his neck and felt a scar where they had performed the quadruple spinal fusion surgery. He also recalled that video winning the grand prize of America's Funniest Home Videos, which was good because his family had no other way to afford the extensive surgery. Sloan, I just want to tell you, I'll, I'll be okay. I'll be home soon. The kids miss you. Tell them I miss them too. Daddy just has a little more business to take care of. Cameron slams the phone and bursts into Mather's office. Tell me what I need to do. It's just past daybreak. The sink is running in Cameron's room, almost overflowing. There's a stylized knock at the door. Cameron gets up and opens it. Ferris is dressed in a velour jogging suit with six belts. (laughs) Hey, Daddy-O, you ready to go to K-Pax? Sure, man, just let me get my things together. (laughs) Well, hurry up, man. We've got a train of light to ride. Cameron strikes Ferris across the face. He hits the ground like a ton of bricks. Cameron drops the now-broken model of the Sears Tower and grabs Ferris by the shoulders. He dunks his head into the sink. He struggles and tries to fight out of it. Cameron, what the hell are you doing? Cameron strikes him in the back of the head and he dips him under the water again. Ferris's head bursts up almost instantly. His face, while no longer of humanoid shape, remained of human proportion. Viscous ocular sacks of cud-like swill swayed lowly against his carapace. In the spot where his mouth once did reside stood glistening tendrils and mandibles of uncertain appendage. 
The being whom Cameron could now only infer was known as Prut opened its swilled, gaping maw and bellowed a lugubrious, anguished cry. Cameron Frawl! The sonorous utterance shook the hospital floor. Twist and shout starts blaring from the hospital speaker system. Tears roll down Cameron's face. Malnevifestation on your planet's extension, the unspeakable ones. They have sent me with greater freedom to rise to nobler desires and curiosities. Your ill fate has wrought curiosity's end. Past, present, and future are all one within Prout. Prout knows of where the unspeakable beams of light broke through the veil and where they shall pierce it again. Prout knows where they trod, and they still trod on those odious fields of your planet, but none before Prout shall behold them as they trod. (laughs) (laughs) We're almost done. This is great. Prout alone. (laughs) Wait! K-Pax does not have a prequel. Oh, God. No. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll get into K-Pax. <laughs> oh, I need more. Cowering before the ancient manifestation, Cameron clutches what remains of the Sears Tower model in his fist. He pulls it to his mouth and starts to slowly coo along to the recording of Twist and Shout. The whispered song eases Prude, whom returns to his form as that of Ferris Bueller. He leans in close to his old friend, and he goes to embrace him, a comfort of old. Cameron doesn't hesitate. He strikes Ferris in the skull. The native Chicagan slash timeless alien manifestation tumbles to the floor. Cameron continues to strike, over and over, until the cartilage and bone of his face are nothing more than a hulking wet mound. Life moves at you pretty fast, Ferris. The next morning, Cameron is dressed in a paisley suit. The nurse at the front desk says it'll be another moment. A clerk will be right along with his final discharge papers. Cameron takes off his glasses and wipes them with the bottom of his shirt. A file clerk lays a stack of papers in front of him. Hello, Mr. Fry. We'll need your signature and initial at the bottom of each of these forms. Cameron looks at the young man and puts his glasses back on. He chokes on his own breath. (laughs) What? Cameron asks through your stutter. Uh, Oh, excuse me, Mr. Fry? What's your name? My name, sir? It's Abe Froman. Abe Froman. Yes, sir. The Sausage King of Chicago. (laughs) That's my father. I guess you could say I'm the Sausage Prince. (laughs) Of course. Cameron signs the papers and walks away, accepting that he'll probably be okay after all. As he exits the clinic, a nurse comes to collect the papers. No one is seated at the front desk. Donka Shane plays softly in the background. Roll credits. <laughs> uh, that, that is a more turns than a pretzel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I kind of thought of where I was doing when the K-Pax showed up, and then you know. So, but uh, you know, so but if he's a timeless being, like how how can he die? I mean, he's just like. I mean, that, manifest- that form, right? Yeah, it's just like he, that manifestation has been destroyed, but he's not actually dead. He's right. like very Lovecraftian in that regard. Yeah. Which is, that was, those were paraphrases of Lovecraft quotes that I reconfigured a little bit and added in my own adjectives. It did uh, have a strong vibe. Yeah. yeah, yeah I was well, like, that's what I was going for. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, 
not only did you connect it to the very po well I only recently know about this very popular fan theory but you connected it flawlessly to that yeah and actually <laughs> to begin with. made a lot of points that the theory doesn't even really make no well yeah. at all. no that was good and then you know I'm a loony guy I love the K-pack shit <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, oh, that's just good as soon but, as I got it, it was uh, like as soon as he was in a mental hospital I was like hey Cameron's gonna be I mean uh Ferris is gonna be K-Pax. <laughs> I don't think people would hate that even. If Ferris I'm, was K-Pax. <laughs> no. Well, okay. Yeah, they'd hate that. Yeah, it did no, go. No. I mean, <laughs> it, it went full X Files at the end. Yeah. There, you know. Yeah. No. Uh, um, but you know, I would. I, I would have just wanted to see a little bit more, a little bit more resistance, a little bit more fight out of uh, out of the alien in that one. You know. Sure. You know. Sure. Well, if he's a manifestation he, of he, it, you know, he's got to make know. it a struggle. He seems like he's. Easily overpowers this you know, timeless being. Well, I mean, Cameron Fry, yeah, fifty-two-year-old dude has just been like you know in a mental institution, yeah, withered away. Yeah, well, I mean, if it's really a manifestation, you know, in his mind, then you know it really it could have been. Yeah, it could have been. I and leave it. I, I leave it open for that. Like, really. uh, you know, to 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 you know to conquer his own. Uh, Problems. Yeah. Why would Sloane have kids with him when he's obviously like? I, I just had to tie it back in. Oh no no no! Um, yeah. I was I'm surprised. Sorry. I had to give poke holes No, I, I had to give him a reason to want to leave the mental institution because, like, if he's just like my my life is totally destroyed and like whatever, like you know, what's the what's the real moment? I was most surprised when you slipped the whisper song in there because like, <laughs> I'm not expecting that. Yin Yang Twins like <laughs> does not seem to fit the. Uh, at the bill at all. <laughs> Wait, did I actually reference that? You, yeah, okay. didn't you say, like, the Whisper song plays, like, softly in the background? And no, I said Donka Shane. No, 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 before that, it was like... Twist was, and Shout. No, 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 it wasn't... You said, like, something about the Whisper song. Anyway, I was imagining, like, <laughs> like, the whole way through, basically, oh, since you said that. Oh, jeez. Um... <laughs> All right, well, anyway, <laughs> moving on to the stats. Um, oh, yeah. Budget, $3.5 million. Um, Rotten Tomato score, critics, 85%. Audience, 60%. Expected gross profit, $55 million. Actual box office gross, $250,000. It's, um, it's a little, it's a genre film. They should, really shouldn't have been that much money. Alan Ruck, you know, you got to pay a lot. And, mm -hmm. that, and that one asshole from Stranger Things, um, costs money. Yeah. Well, you, you want the yeah. stars, you gotta pay the big bucks. I can't think of a single thing I've seen Alan Ruck in. Spin City. Yeah, okay. That would be it. That's the only thing I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off in Spin City. He was City. very old playing Cameron. Yeah, he was definitely 29. Older. Yeah, he was He was old. Well, hell yeah. Well, yeah. I'm glad you guys like that. Um, I had a lot of fun writing that. Um, when doing that one old one's voice um, wasn't great on my throat, but you know you suffer for your art. Yeah, yeah. the art of writing K-Pax inspired sequels to 1980s coming of age films. It does sound like well, suffering. I love that. <laughs> it does sound like suffering. K-Pax is awful. I hate that movie. It's yeah. so bad. But uh, <sighs> you know, important takeaway is that you know your produce alone was worth. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, man. with all that said, you know, we've, we've, so now we've prequeled. Yeah. We've sequeled. Yep. Are we ready, ready to make it all happen again? Already, already. Ready to redo it? Ready to remake yeah. it? Lead me the fuck in with some Goldeneye. Like the game or the. Yeah, the music from the game. Like okay. which, which level, though? They're all good. Uh, I mean, I mean, I've got all of them. It's so. menu music. Dun dun dun.
That one. Yeah. Okay. 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 Oof, oof, oof. All right. So I am on remake detail this week. And the title of my film, well, it's not really mine, and you'll find that out soon. I didn't direct this. Uh, the Fantastic Ferris Bueller in the Delightful Day Off. Tagline Friendship, Truancy, Revolution. Director, Wes Anderson. Oh, oh no, more Wes Anderson. <laughs> I love you, Wes Anderson. <laughs> I do love Wes Anderson, I but I'm kind of digging on it. Like, I take a few digs at him in this because there's things to. It's easy to parody him. Sure. It's, yeah. it's easy. He's when you have a very defined style, it's very easy yeah. for you to make so, fun of the tropes and trappings of your film. I should, I should, I should yeah, like, exactly. Um, but, but I should I note with this one. Yeah, I will note with this one, it definitely follows the general plot of Ferris Bueller's Day Off pretty closely. It's a remake, it's a but remake. If, if, if you're familiar with Wes Anderson, and if you're not, get familiar because he makes some really good movies, I think you'll understand what I'm describing in terms of how his style would be put into place in a movie like this. Yeah. That was kind of my exercise for this week. I got you. Because I think it would actually work pretty well. Um, so there's some deviations, but um, you know, hop on in. High school junior and general cool dude, Ferris Bueller, played by Jason Schwartzman, decides to fake sick one day near the end of the school year. I already love it. Pretending to have scurvy, he alludes <laughs> He alludes his He alludes his parents, played by Jeff Goldblum and Angelica Houston. Oh yay. But does not convince his older sister, Jeannie, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. I mean, yeah. Scott, help. Scott, are you ready to be a team player? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's been far less oh yeah talk than I really thought oh. we'd be in the Ferris Bueller episode. Oh well, I mean, we're just I mean, like I hope it's gonna be in the sound. Yeah, Scott, you just much. anytime you feel like drop it in too much. Yeah, like, I'm on it. Yeah, and like trust me. Yeah, future Scott, future Scott. Are you listening, future Scott? I said I'm on it. Okay, <laughs> top gun from the top. After his family leaves the house, Ferris addresses the audience, giving a rundown on how awesome he is, all while walking through a typical Wes Anderson cross-section set of the eerily symmetrical Bueller household, complete with a deliberately limited color palette. Dean of Students, Edward R. Rooney, played by Bill Murray, mm -hmm. finds out from his secretary, Grace, Francis McDormand, oh my God. that young Ferris is absent yet again, asking Grace if Ferris is involved with extracurricular activities. She then details Ferris's vast list of clubs and sports, all of a hipster alternative nature, of course. In a montage set to the Ramones, Judy is a punk, fencing league, go-karting club, mock trial, and that's M-A-C-H trial. That's like... Like fast? Like, in like, a, like a fast plane yeah, or like, like one of those little things or like oh, when you're God. sitting on the uh, couch and they've got... Like blowing you with the stuff, and you're like oh, holding yeah. on to the oh, couch with the glasses on. And the cannonball hits the fat guy in the stomach. God, can I just say that's just like such a dry, like Wes Anderson rule of three joke. It's just like regular thing, regular thing, slightly off kilter, regular. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Parisian literature and bigamy society are to name a few. Rooney. Suspect of Ferris's outrageous absences, vows to catch the truant student. Sound familiar? 
Hmm. Ferris calls his hypochondriac best friend, Cameron Fry, played by Edward Norton, to partake in a day of fun and mischief. He does look a lot like he Edward Norton. He really does. Yeah. He looks and super similar. Actually, if it's this, just good casting. It's good recasting. It is good recasting. Honestly, this, like, if it were made in... Who is... If this were made in, like, 98... This would totally work. It actually work. This would work. Like, Schwartzman would be, like, way younger looking, but Ferris should... And, and Norton would be yeah. just as old as Cameron looks in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad you noticed that. <laughs> Ferris calls Cameron to partake in a day of fun and mischief. Cameron is initially reluctant as he lays in bed sulking, partaking in his hobby of writing hypothetical suicide letters. After some convincing, he agrees to join Ferris. The two friends plot to get Ferris's girlfriend, Sloane Peterson, played by Natalie Portman, released from school under the guise that her grandmother had died. Cameron makes a humorous call to Rooney, posing as Sloane's father, but Rooney, suspecting the ploy, requests to see Mr. Peterson face-to-face to thank him for contributions to the school. Ferris and Cameron act quickly and hire a local homeless man, played by Brian Cox, to pose as Sloane's father. <laughs> just had to stick Brian Cox in <laughs> Yeah, I, I was just like... <laughs> Well, it's one of those things where you're writing it, and it's like, I, I, the past few, three paragraphs have just been this movie. How does it tell you why I differ? <laughs> uh, Ferris convinces a reluctant Cameron to let them use his father's Ferrari to save face with Rooney. The plan goes off almost flawlessly, as Cameron and Ferris hide in the back seat of the car, with Rooney only suspicious of Mr. Peterson's owner. The trio speed off happily, and go on a thrilling afternoon out on the town in Chicago. Against Cameron's wishes, they leave the Ferrari in a parking garage, where two shady attendants, played by Luke and Owen Wilson, (laughs) and just for, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, your car's gonna be fine. Don't worry. Oh, jeez. Oh, no, we have to get that sex tape I sent to my girlfriend back. I wish someone would find, like, something. Oh, that was Luke Wilson. Wow. Yeah, he was in a lot of movies. It's one of his more memorable films. My super ex-girlfriend. Oh my god, he is in my super ex. Bottle rocket. (laughs) So these two shady attendants take the car out for an extended spin, unknown to Cameron. The group goes to an underground wrestling match, engaged in several games of laser tag, the facility being nearly empty due to it being a school day. And I really did that once, and it absolutely is empty. Was it awesome? It was awesome. Until like... Because no, whoever's running the place during the day is not a teenager, and they're yeah. all like, yeah, shouldn't you be in school? And yeah, I had truancy called in me. Damn. Well, it's all bad. Out in the town you're not from, and they're all, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I skipped school a lot, man, and I did. I made the most of it. Fair is fair. Ooh. Fair is fair. <laughs> um... They also visit the local aquarium, where both Sloan and Ferris skinny dip in a tropical fish tank, but are chased out by guards. Of course, lots of very cool colored, you know, weird looking animated fish. Oh, absolutely. They're in that, uh, oh, yeah, they're uh, that, that Life Aquatics yeah. claymation, which I didn't write the down. The Fantastic Mr. Fox but, style. Yeah. At a Thai restaurant for lunch... Cameron begins to embrace his wild side and enters a spicy food-eating challenge, only to end up hospitalized due to peanut consumption. He's got an allergy. He should have seen yeah, that yeah. coming. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he should know. He should know. You should absolutely know if you're allergic to peanuts. It's really not something you want to play with. Yeah, don't. 
Thai food. And don't use an EpiPen just for fun. <laughs> You're not going to have a good time. Um, you do. You yeah. should go to the hospital. Oh, yeah. Have you like, seen... Like, uh, Cellos. God, have you seen yeah, an EpiPen be used? Yeah. It's like a big old... Epinephrine. No. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm going to kick some ass. You gotta try out for the Dodgers, baby. Whatever Ricky Verona, you know, like the, you know, the bad guy in Crank. Uh, Ricky Tan? Uh, Ricky, no, that's Rush Ricky Hour Verona. Uh, I don't remember. Hey, Lee, it's Ricky Tan. I don't remember. Both the Crank movies bleed together for me. Ah, Crank one's great. They're both good. I love all the rollerblade shots in that movie. That's how they did a lot of cinematography with all the running. Oh, the camera guys just on rollerblades being like towed around. It's badass. Oh, that's, that's hella cool. That is hella no, cool. I actually really love hearing like weird things like that where they use a thing that you could find around your house to make it yeah. work. Yeah, I love that type of crap. Yeah. Um, Cameron's in the hospital. Cameron's in the hospital due to peanut consumption because he's a negligent idiot. <laughs> um, as Scott has established. Genie, uh, realizing that Ferris has yet again faked sick and bailed his girlfriend out of school, decides to cut class to confront Ferris at home. There she is confronted by the homeless man from earlier, who Ferris left in his bed with a voice recording. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Forgot I wrote that. Uh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> she calls the police, but instead is greeted by a truancy officer, played by Willem Dafoe, yes. who takes her to the police station, where she meets a delinquent teenager, played by Adrian Brody. Oh my god, all the notes. Who's yeah. apparently, <laughs> what's his name, Walter Volbeck? Uh, uh, oh, something Volbeck. Garth, Garth, Garth Volbeck. Volbeck. Yeah. yeah. Please. Garth Volbeck. Party on, Wayne. Party, Party on, on Volbeck. Garth Volbeck. <laughs> the school is notified of Cameron's allergic reaction because sometimes, for some reason, the school would be alerted instead of. He might have, like, an emergency. Right, card exactly. Or something. Yeah. Spurring Rudy to depart for the hospital. Cameron, now recovered, sits in the hospital bed eating sherbet. Ferris urges them to be on their way due to the day coming to a close. Just then, Ferris sees Rooney down the hall, approaching with glee. Ferris and Sloan switch around the hospital beds, tricking Rooney into surprising a pregnant woman instead of Cameron. With Rooney distracted, Ferris pulls the fire alarm in the hospital. It's tasteless. (laughs) And the three make a daring escape. They go to retrieve the car, which is covered in scratches and dents. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Because, of course. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we, we took her out for a spin. Oh, and, we, uh, went, we went on a road trip. It was a wild oh, yeah, good time. It's real lemon. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's a real bad shape oh, now. Oh, oh, no. Yeah, I we, busted up my nose something I, bad. It was and, pretty old school the way we did it. But I mean, it's going to be okay. Anyway, Cameron has got insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Pay the money, Trish. Don't worry, little bro. It's okay. (laughs) These guys, they're real street shooters. (laughs) Chapter 2 coming soon. Cameron has a complete meltdown, only to be interrupted by Rooney spotting them in the street. Cameron snaps out of it, jumps in the Ferrari, and begins a high-speed getaway. Rooney pursues the trio in a commandeered civilian vehicle. I need this vehicle. I'm the Dean of Student Affairs. Cameron, realizing the trouble he's in, drives increasingly maniacally, gaining a brief lead on Rooney. Cameron implores Ferris and Sloane to run, saying he'll take the fall, and that he's had one of the best days of his life. Nothing that would indicate this has been a good day for you. Anyway, he speeds off. very memorable. (laughs) He speeds off, Rooney in pursuit, culminating with the two driving off a nearby pier into the bay. (laughs) 
them Duke boys got themselves in quite the sticky situation. It's a real life aquatic they're living. Yeah. Going off like a bottle rocket. Oh, yeah. They're being fantastic, Mr. Fox. But he should have rushed more. With uh, Steve Zissou. Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> Alongside Steve Zissou. Uh, uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, Jeannie, who has become partial to the young thug, is picked up by her mother at the police station. She sees the high-speed chase on the television and thinks nothing of it until she hears Cameron's name. Taking her mother's wheel, she speeds off towards home. Ferris quickly makes his way home, taking many shortcuts through the neighborhood in a chase sequence filmed with miniatures in a 2D fashion. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Ferris barely makes it home, only to be met by Rooney, soaking wet with a crab clamped on his ear. (laughs) Gun in hand. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, so disheveled. Oh, no. Ready for business. Oh, man. I'm going to kill you. I'm here to end this, Mr. Bueller. (laughs) Jeannie opens the door behind Ferris to sell him out. Ferris wasn't home at all today. We thought he was at school. Cameron and Ferris end up taking the rap for the various hijinks and are held back a year in high school. Semi-depressed, the two sit on the bleachers, contemplating. Ferris says, Well, at least we got in four rounds of laser tag camera slowly zooms out as a kink song begins to play or some shit the end yeah. um i didn't write the scores sorry i totally forgot that uh rotten tomatoes score this is a classic movie no one's gonna like it being remade i'm gonna say a good 30 if they're lucky sure and plus like people get people i, I don't know i don't know if people like western anderson or they Mm-hmm. They don't, but I seem like everyone's just like, oh, same old shit from this hipster jerk-off. I don't know. I feel like everyone would just be, they would reject this fully. Uh, critics, though, I don't know. They find it competent. Um, let's say 64. Okay. Are you sure about that? No, I'm... You sound uncertain. Uh, but go ahead and just say it like you're certain because we're on mic. Am I being cross-examined? Uh, you feel that way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, got a, you, got a long, you got a colorful history there, Mr. Pinkman. Yeah. Uh, budget? I, I don't think this would be an expensive movie. Let's say 30 mil. Expected gross profit? 100 mil. Actual gross profit? Due to limited release, it would probably have... Sure, why not? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Wes Anderson bombed on that yeah. one. I don't know. Well, a lot of his movies of, don't make money. Yeah, they generally don't make a lot of money. Well, I mean, I, I liked how you got all of the Wes Anderson tropes in there. Well, yes. they don't make dollars, then they don't make sense. I cut off Scott's mic. Hey. Um, <laughs> all right, yes, uh, I really tried to get those tropes in there. This uh, is my freedom of speech. This is my cut microphone. Him, him off, this is exactly what I'm talking about with the censorship yeah. and all the uh, all the censorship that's been going on. Everybody's trying to say things in the way that the voice sounds cool, and uh, it does sound cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you actually? Am I on? I can't even tell if I'm on. Yeah, you are on. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> it was on my thing, too. Yeah. <laughs> it just got much more pronounced with the weird effect on. Um, <laughs> uh, 
So I really enjoyed it, guys. Um, Thank you. I liked how you hit all the Wes Anderson notes. I actually kind of enjoyed thinking that they would make it right now with all the actors clearly in their forties. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. super funny to me. It, it would, uh, it would work. Yeah, Schwartzman's young enough. I mean, he just always looks. Yeah, yeah. Younger. Though he's got to be doing that like cliff where he cannot look young. Anymore. No, no. He's got to be right there. But I, he's totally just. In which it, case, cast him as the dad, right? Yes, or yeah, cast Bill Murray. But I totally think Max from Max Fisher from Rush Rushmore. It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah, he's no. the same, like. Oh yeah, he does so much around school. He's one popular guy, and he's all over the place. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Thank, thank, thank you, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. Scott, what did you like it about it? Yeah, uh, I liked everything about it. <laughs> uh, specifically, it's okay. It's just Ferris Bueller, <laughs> basically rewritten with. Wes well, no, yeah, I, I like I like the idea that it's like the sister is just it's this alternate universe where the sister is just like yeah, no, just rats him out. Oh yeah, and just like he gets in hell of trouble, and they're just like yeah, it's not a happy ending necessarily for. Girl, Ferris and Cam. No. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. They're held. Uh, yeah. back. They're held. Yeah, back. I did like that. There was repercussions. There are real, real repercussions. Yeah, pulling. But what happened to the homeless man? Is what I want to know. Did he find affordable housing? Is what I'm wondering. Because living it up in Ferris's room for you know a while, like that's going to set a high bar. Or does it? Just enough inspiration. I picture like the post credit scene is him just eating a sandwich <laughs> at the Bueller, in the Bueller home, and yeah. like the dad like reading the newspaper, not even noticing it, and just you know, long drawn out. Yeah, my girlfriend, she had an idea that she threw at me. Mm. It was just that like, yeah, with with Ferris was just really actually sick. <laughs> And dies at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why he collapses. was living it up, you know. That arguably might be more Wes Anderson-y, but um, I don't know. yeah, I mean, it could have used a little bit more like uh, uh, biting real tragedy in it, you know, to or like a dog getting killed. The- yeah, yeah, or like all, of, yeah, definitely the hard turn in the middle of the third act. Emotional. You have a point. Mm-hmm. You have a point. But other than that, it was clearly it was. Uh, you know more uh, 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 true to Wes Anderson uh, probably than than let's others who who, who won't be named uh, Wes Anderson <laughs> movies, which may or may not exist yet. So <laughs> stay tuned or stay having been tuned, and uh, you know. Um, where can they find us, Peter? Where, where were they, oh. they going to find us? Well, they could find us. Um, just thank you for listening. Um, if you like what you heard, um, subscribe to us on iTunes or Anchor. Or now we're on a few new platforms. We're on Spreaker. Let's speaker with an R after the P. Spreaker. And uh, we're also on Google Play if you want to be alternative and use that podcasting platform. Um, Very alternative. Yeah, so if you go, just go to prequelsequelremake.com slash listen. There's a bunch of links right there. You can subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms except iHeartRadio, which we'll work on eventually. Um, and if you like what you heard, you know 
subscribe, leave a comment, leave a review. Those really help everything. Just leave comments and reviews, even if they're negative comments and reviews. Just leave please, any kind of engagement. Please, please let us know. Um, and you can also reach us on social media at facebook.com slash prequel sequel remake or twitter.com at pre-sequelcast. Um, and yeah, you can reach us all there. Prequel sequel remake.com slash home the website or just without the slash home also works because it'll take you to the home because this is 2018 and that's how websites work now yeah 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 all right well Well, until next time yeah it's been until next time thanks for listening folks we'll catch you on um later all right Prequel, sequel, remake. Will it be Cool World? Or will it be Ghost World? Or will it be Spice World? There's only one way to find out, and that is to keep listening on the podcast that we are making for your mind. 